Star Trek Adventures World. I'm Michael Desmuke. I'm a freelance writer for Star Trek Adventures, in addition to being a blogger on Continuing Missions, and of course, a host of this Continuing Conversations, where we talk everything about Star Trek Adventures. We talk about the game, we talk about the mechanics, we talk about the writers, the artists, and of course, one of my favorite things to talk about is our fans who have done so much to push this game today. Before we bring in our guest star for today and introduce them, and I guarantee you, you most likely know him and you don't know you know him, uh, we're going to first let Jim Johnson introduce himself. Uh, hey, everybody, Jim Johnson. I am the project manager and line editor for the Star Trek Adventures role-playing game published by Modifius Entertainment and the co-host of this here show, which uh, last I heard Michael was hitting the hitting the charts somewhere along the way. I don't I didn't hear all the details on that, but uh, what top top 100 something ish of uh, within the top 200 within the top 200 of hobbies and games. Yeah. yeah, within the top 200 of hobbies and games on iTunes. Woo! So 169. I don't know what that means, Jim. Everybody who asked, including John today, when I told him, he was like, well, yeah, but out of how many? So maybe it's out of 169. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm 169. I'll take Whatever. it because I didn't yeah. expect I didn't yeah, even expect to go on the chart. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Now, now, I know me and Jim, by the time this uh, gets aired in a couple of weeks, um, but I know this week, myself and Jim are coming off of Fleet Week, uh, the partnership that we had with um, STO, Star Trek Online, yep. and Streampunks. And Jim, how are you feeling about how that went this week, Fleet Week? Oh, I think it went great. I think uh, I think we got the numbers. They had like 250-something people like throughout the day, but over 1,000 uh, unique people that came into it all throughout the six or seven events. So I think it was a huge success. I just love listening. I mean, I enjoyed our panel, but I enjoyed more listening to all the other panels and the, all the different uh, talent that they had on those uh, discussions. It was just amazing that the people they were able to bring in, like you know Rick Sternbach and Dr. Aaron McDonald, and uh, it's just so many people. It was just amazing to see all these voices from Star Trek uh, past and present, right, and, and future, presumably. Uh, so I, no, I had a blast. It was great. It was great to connect with the fans and just a chat on the chat window throughout the day. It was, it was a lot of fun. What'd you yeah. think of it? Well, the, my top two things were one, the, the panel on the science of Star Trek and yeah. having actually these professors and scientists there who mm -hmm. consult on the show and yeah. have consulted for 30 years, um, being able to pick their brains and, and hear their side of it was great. What I also liked was seeing in the chat and even after Fleet Week, how many people who play Star Trek online said they're going to try Star Trek Adventures out now because yeah. of the panel we did, but even the panel afterwards, Streampunks, which was yeah. super, a super fun watch. So just happen to know people are getting in the game. Yeah. Um, what we're here to talk about today is someone who actually was an early, early adopter of the game. And many of you might not know the person's name, but I bet you that if you're on the Discord server, or if you've been perusing again around continuing missions for hmm, four or five years, you may have heard about the bot called Majel, Majel, Majel. Whoa, I just pulled a Paul Yeh. <laughs> <laughs> Majel, right? Thank Majel. you, it's Majel. Okay. okay. Um, so, so um, and that bot was a miracle to our game. We're gonna get into that story, but first, before we introduce anything about 
the technology. We have to talk about the person behind the technology. And we're going to talk about the evolution of it. And if you haven't used it, why you could be using it. So let's introduce John Nguyen. Welcome, John Nguyen, to Continuing Conversations. Hi, everyone. I'm the creator and maintainer of uh, Major the Discord bot. I also have another bot. It's sort of related. It's 2D20, which is a spinoff of, of Major as well. Uh, so I've been maintaining both of those bots for since 2019. Yeah, yeah, I think so. 2000, late, yeah, late 18, 19, probably. For those who don't know, because I always want to respect that, I'm, I always say I'm the average fan and I'm not, you know, I'm a geek, I'm the average geek, but I'm not big on tech. Talk to us. What is a bot, John? Hmm. Uh, so a bot is basically just a, an automated um, a series of instructions. Uh, you send it some input, and if, if it recognizes the input, it does it does some processing, and then there's an output. There we go. So it's as simple as that. In Star Trek terms, that'd be like an algorithm or a subroutine, right? More or less, yeah. <laughs> okay, good. That, now we're all we're all in the same spot. So so for all of you um, want to know the history is. Back in 2017, 2018, you know, this is when Star Trek Adventures was really rolling out and social media forums were beginning. Now, I, I jumped onto Reddit early on. And I also jumped onto Facebook. So Facebook had a Star Trek Adventures RPG forum, a Star Trek Adventures Game Master forum. And that's where people like me who didn't really have the time to get a regular table group together, you know, old school tabletop. I started looking for online playing. Now, I had online done, been doing online playing for over 20 years because my friends had moved to Germany san diego idaho all over the world and we were playing a different rpg at the time so i was very comfortable with it but i needed a group for star trek adventures and that's where i met john and i said hey i'm going to be starting up a campaign i put an advertisement out there on our what was new blog continuing missions at that time and john answered the call and uh john why don't you tell us a little bit about the character if you recall that you uh had decided to play at that time Okay, so my character was named Gorana uh, Dutrex. Uh, she was a um, a Betazoid, but that specialized in security. She wanted to get into combat versus doing the the, the treasure rolls as a, a Betazoid, which is more like the, the diplomatic side of it. That's right. That's right. And when we could go on for days about where that story ended up, because we played two seasons, which was 26 episodes, modules of that character. And John had to, because of time and different responsibilities, jump out. We're in season five now, but that character left a big legacy. Talking about legacies, John, why don't you tell us a little bit how you got into Star Trek in the first place? Like, tell us that Star Trek story. Um. I mean, I, I it started when I was, I was a kid. I, I saw it on TV and like, it, it just hooked me. I, I don't know like how to 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 explain it. Like it was just uh, the shows on TV, and I I started watching it, and I actually grew like I love the show, and I I just been a huge fan ever since. And it was started off uh, with uh, TNG, and that's been my start to my like my 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 Star Trek like fandom. Okay, good. And I've been, I've been watching uh, the others, uh, the other show that came after it. So like uh, D Space Nine, Voyager, not so much Enterprise. I'm still trying to work through it. I still haven't quite quite been hooked. Mm -hmm. Even 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 now, I'm still kind of like I'm trying my best to get through through all the lore and all all the the, the stories. But man, it's a 
It's a tough show. Yeah. Yeah. Don't start it at 10 o'clock at night. That's my advice. Wait until you have a good like leg break and you're laid up and you need to binge watch something and, you know, maybe something like that. Okay. So I got always have to ask the Star Trek fans the two questions, favorite show and now your favorite character. Uh, TNG. Okay. Uh, favorite character would probably be Worf. Oh, he plays such a serious character for for most of the 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 series. Every once in a while, they they introduce a bit of comedy, and it's like the hardest like belly laugh I've, I've had whenever they 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 introduce a little bit of a, a comedic element to to his character. Mm-hmm. It sounds like they're going to do that again in Picard season three. Did you Ooh. get a chance to catch the trailer? I, I saw the trailer. I'm so excited. A, a pacifist? What? <laughs> the warrior? Right. Yeah, I'll be curious to see if they keep it as an actual character thing or if they're just going to use it as a as a joke. I hope uh, hoping they don't I'm, make it a joke. I hope it's a real thing. I'm going to like flip my shit if if he, if he dons the 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 Robin Hood costume. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great, Jim. I mean, thinking about that, like such a big character transition, uh, that's that's going to require a whole new write up for this character at some point, right? Uh, maybe. I mean, we'll, we'll have to see, right? I mean, we really don't know right now, but uh, certainly the values would change, values and focuses, if nothing else. I don't know if like the numbers are going to change all that much, because that's just the nature of uh, STA, is that statistically your characters don't change a lot. Yeah, yeah it's going to be interesting. <laughs> well, the rules change if you're, if you're in the holodeck. Well, do they right? change? Uh, could you change your values in the holodeck? Is that what you're saying? Like, like acting out of character? yeah. So you, a, you, you're, you're in a fantasy world, more or less, right? And then so I would assume that your, your usual stats can be like altered just for, 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 for the sake of like acting out the, the holodeck experience. <laughs> Jim, I, we've done like almost a year's worth of shows and no one's ever come up with that question before. Do people's values, can their attributes, disciplines, and values change in the holodeck? That's a mechanic we've never wrote. Just, just for the sake of the holodeck. Uh, well, the person's not changing, right? <clears throat> the the program is changing to to suit what the character wants to do. So uh, I mean, I think your character's values could change based on the experiences that you have in the holodeck. But I don't think your character's personal stats would change at all. I think I think the the universe would shape itself to you. So that you're the like if you want to get into a like like Barclay, right? He 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 his program made sure he was the best and the coolest and the most awesome in all those sword fights. It wasn't Barclay getting better. It was everybody else in the program being worse. Right, just by default, and um, so that's—I mean—that's how I, as a GM, would approach it. Right, is that uh, the the program would would tailor itself to suit the, the character, and the character themselves would not change, like statistically. Um, however, like I said, though, um, if something uh, profound happened in the hollow deck, um, I could see a character changing their values or even focuses based on based on those experiences. Right, and uh, I'd have to think of like an example, maybe. Um, Maybe Data, after he encounters Moriarty and realizes that the computer can create an opponent for him that can defeat him, that might have an impact on his on Data's values. Because maybe he's, I mean, not that Data was necessarily, but uh, like if Data kind of like had in the back of his positronic mind that he was uh, undefeatable, right? Or, uh, you know, can, could not be defeated. And then he faces off against Moriarty, which was a computer-generated uh uh, you know, program basically is like, oh well, that that's that has an impact, right? Um, well, or how I about guess. when Tuvok had to use the holodeck for Pon Far? Oh, yeah, maybe. 
Maybe. That's a change of values. Because remember, he was like, is this cheating on my wife? <laughs> yeah. And uh, certainly, I, I'm not as well versed in Voyager as you are, Michael, but uh, I'm sure the doctor had any number of experiences in the holodeck that impacted him in, in a unique way because he's a, you know, he's a holographic uh, uh, character, right? So uh, I'm sure there were some elements there that, that you could certainly play with. John, I think you inspired a module. <laughs> I mean, this is something we've ne I've never talked about before. And uh, this, this is where you could really make a holodeck adventure quite provocative. Okay, yeah, okay, absolutely. okay. As you can all see, John is a whiz, um, at, not only at just thinking and knowing about the construct of the game, but let's get into the bot a little bit. So John, we were playing, you know, for whatever, maybe a couple months or something, and all of a sudden you blessed us one day with this bot. Talk to us a little bit about it and what your motivation was for creating Module. <laughs> uh, okay. Was it because you were so irritated at our dice rolls, or I was <laughs> um, very hungover on, on on a lot of those sessions. <laughs> so being with like the count and do math while while you're hungover is a little annoying. I I don't know I don't know I don't know if you would agree with me, but doing math while you're hungover not a great experience. <laughs> uh, okay, I love the raw honesty. That is such a good response. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. I was like, all right. Well, let's 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 see if you can. Uh, I can improve on on the the bot we already had, which is it was doing that just raw numbers. But I thought we should do something a little more meaningful. Uh, maybe show some like um, uh, what each of the numbers mean, like like basically interpreting all the roles, and maybe put like a nice like little like interface along with it. So it's a it's a nice presented uh, um, package to to the to the player. Yeah, for those of you who haven't seen it yet, some of the things it does for you, in addition, just rolling dice, because many of us are familiar with, you know, dice rollers, D&D had them for years, these dice generators. But what he did is he actually embedded, for instance, if you forgot how to do a sensor sweep, you could hit a function, type in ship sensor sweep, and it tells you how to roll a sensor sweep. So you know exactly which attributes and discipline you need to put together with your character. And as it evolved, and we'll talk about its evolution to the point it is today, um, as it evolved, it could even let you decide what your critical number is. So for those of you who aren't familiar, if you have a focus and you have a discipline number of say three, if you roll one, two, or three, it's determined as a critical success worth two successes. So there were some functionality built in so that people, as he said, wouldn't have to do drunk math and they could go ahead and uh, just have all the answers at the fingertips. And it was really, it was, it was a, a, a huge blessing. And I got to ask, you know, I, how much time did it take you to design, say, let's call it the first generation um, of module? Um, so I do things iteratively. Iteratively? Iteratively. Put the drink away. You do things Sorry. in steps. Yeah. You do things I do in things steps. steps. Sorry, I had, I had a few vodkas before this interview. <laughs> iteratively, right? Yeah. Iteratively, yeah. So it's, it's it maybe a few hours at a time, and just just enough to see I I, I see uh, uh, the, the feature come to fruition, or if there's any bugs, it's it, it's all fixed, and then I, I I basically deploy it and for the players to like try it out, and hopefully no there's no complaints. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, it worked well. I, I don't remember. I mean, very rarely is there a bug or a drop or something like that in it. Now it's evolved since that time. 
to a current state. And for those of you who are watching, you'll be happy to know I'm a very visual learner. And John is going to be putting together some little tutorial videos that you'll be seeing on continuing mission and we'll be pumping them out where it shows you how to use the bot. So it's not just enough to go in there and just play around with it, which I've done and figured out. I love visuals. So talk to us about this recent evolution, which has been to me mind blowing, but John, what are some of the features that you think people should know about? Oh, first and foremost, this was, uh, so this uh, new change was pushed out by discord. Um, and it caused a lot of head headache for a lot of us, bot developers and bot maintainers, uh, all for the sake of like security and, and, and privacy. So I, I understand where they're coming from, but from, from my end, it was a pain in the ass to, to migrate from, from the, from the old, old system to, to the new one. And uh, it took me about a month on and off, you know, li listening to the community feedback, all the complaints and all the bug reports and make sure everything's ironed out. Uh, we're, we're in a good state now. Um, so one of the, the biggest changes you'll see, it's, it's a more visual, uh, approach to inputting the commands before it was like, uh, uh, exclamation point, the command name and a whole bunch of like parameters. And now it's, it's, it'll, it'll give you like a sort of a, a visually guided, um, way to input what you want into the command. So for instance, the, uh, the D20, um, the very minimal thing that you you have to provide is the um uh at that time it was a forward slash an exclamation the, mark the, the the target value that's right. the, that's that's a minimum thing you need to provide to the d20 mm -hmm. uh and then you can also optionally add the, the the critical the complications and things like that um but it's so, done in an individual way mm -hmm. um let me or, can i explain there's a word that that I'd like to add is prompts. Um, prompts the, yes. the, the previous one, for everyone knows, you had to kind of type in this little code to get it to roll two, three, four D20 um, with your critical of 19 and, or your critical of, you know, uh, three and complication range of 19. Now, when you, the minute you type in the dice, you know, D forward slash D20, it prompts you and asks you the question, what's your comp range? What's your critical range? Uh, how many dice do you want to throw? Which is so great again, um, John. So I thought that was a real, those prompts are key. You appreciate it. But a lot of, a lot of folks uh, want the old way, hmm. like the, the more like text-based way. I, it's, it's, I, it's just the way that they were used to, or they, 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 they like how like just quickly they can just enter in all the information. So so major all supports the old way of inputting the, the the dice rolls as well. Oh wow! So I didn't know that. I didn't know it does both. Okay, fantastic. So all right. Well, like Jim says, infinite diversity, infinite combinations. You're taking care of the originalists. <laughs> That's a callback to Star Trek Year Five, and <laughs> the, the the current people. <laughs> what other uh, cool features that you think we should know about John? Um. So I've added more and more icons to to the to the results of the role. So it's a much more visual uh, representation of the the dice roll results. Um, I wanted to explore some more like um, um, like presenting the user with like a series of buttons and whatnot, and have them be able to click on it. There's some of that, um, but uh, it's not completely stable. At the moment, um, so you just I, 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 okay. 
Yeah, I would like to uh, to explore uh, more towards the, the visual aspect of doing doing these like these commands. And th there's a lot of it uh, available there too, but I'm trying to figure out what's feasible, uh, what's going to work for the users, and hope it, like it doesn't like uh, crash the servers. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so, yeah, so far there's a, there's a few cases where like a, a major can go down if you do do the wrong thing with, with the commands. Yeah. Now this is mind blowing to me, Jim. I got to get your take on this. Um, you know, this is a this is a service of love from John. You know, he started playing the game, and you've been seeing a lot of this kind of fan service for the game. I mean, when you I know you started as line editor for Modifius, and then you became the project manager three and a half years ago now, or something around there. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. What's your take on this? Like, what do you think when you're seeing the fans do stuff? like this, whether it's what John's doing or other, you know, people putting up <clears throat> streaming, stuff like that. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's what fans have been doing from, from day one of RPGs, right? I think uh, even way back, I mean, way, way back when D&D first came out, there were people creating their own systems, their own rules, their own worlds, et cetera, et cetera. And um, I think, I think, you know, almost immediately when the first RPG was published, right, immediately people were coming up with with quote unquote better character sheets and better job or you know better tools and stuff because I don't think there's a game I don't think there's a role playing game that's been published by anybody where the character sheet worked for the vast majority of the of the of the player base right there's always like it feels to me like I mean I've been I've been I've been freelancing in the industry for what twenty odd years now and I can't remember a single game that got published where there wasn't a fan character sheet coming out like within a couple of days right because i think i don't think fans are ever happy about what the companies come up with right so there's always something new and there's always been healthy fan bases for games um i mean i can remember like even like twilight 2000 and uh, marvel superheroes like i mean even before there was an internet and this is dating me but that's just the way it is like even before the internet we were coming up with our own homebrew character sheets to to you know like oh the the one in the book didn't quite work so we'll move this over here and we'll move this over here and I think as technology has come into the picture, um, you know, smart people like like John are able to to program their own stuff and program their own apps even before they were called apps, right? I mean, I remember CompuServe and uh, PlayNet and uh, some of those ancient ancient uh, systems even before the again still mostly before the internet or or when the internet was just becoming a thing, right? People were creating their own uh, you know GUIs and uh, interfaces and systems and programming their own bots and stuff and uh i think this is just a, a, an evolution of that right i think we see that now especially with the virtual tabletops that are out there you know you've got uh, roll and uh, uh fantasy grounds and uh, roll 20 and like there's so many different platforms now uh and not only are there platforms now but then there's also stuff like like majel that you can program and then just plug into whatever discord server you happen to be on and it still works and i just i think that's fascinating because because uh, i'm not that technologically savvy so I, but I understand what it means to, you know, to program an app and then be able to load that app into multiple different platforms and stuff. And uh, that's always been fan driven as far as I can remember. Um, and it's like, and I, you know, if it, other than Wizards of the Coast and maybe Paizo, there aren't that many companies that can fund their own systems like, like, like this, right? Like these apps and stuff. And even then, like I was saying before with the character sheets, right? A company may create one, and it's still not going to be good enough for a lot of the fans. They're going to go create their own anyway. And I think at this point with technology, like so many people know how to program and know how to use technology and, and create, you know, graphical interfaces and, uh, uh, you know, WYSIWYG interfaces and, and apps like this that I think, um, 
you know, as the project manager, I'm blessed because I know there's such a huge fan base that loves this game and loves Star Trek and makes this stuff just out of the love of it, right? And uh, I, I can't thank the fans enough for doing that because, because Majel has made so many other gamers' lives easier playing this game and it has made the game more accessible for them. And, and like, you, you can't put a value on that because that, that makes the game so much better, right? It, it's like the same thing, you know, Michael, I'm, I'm not going to um, blow smoke up your butt, but, uh, you know, the fact that we had continuing mission available so early in the life of the game Right. I mean, if I if I think about the I mean, we're only six years into it, so it's kind of ridiculous to think about the heritage and the history of Star Trek Adventures. But like Star Trek Adventures came out, we had Shield of Tomorrow, Continuing Mission and and Majel all within like a couple of years of each other. And, and that foundation really, really helped Star Trek Adventures in ways that I've never seen a Star Trek, a Star Trek RPG get help before. Right. Like, I mean, D Decipher had some help. Uh, with with the uh, online online stuff like some forums and and a couple of folks that were doing um, fan made newsletters which was awesome, um, but like there's I mean of course we had a 14 year gap between Star Trek RPGs anyway right where just there was nobody doing a Star Trek RPG, um, but I think I think Star Trek Adventures just got super lucky on the timing that we were able to have all this support we had you know we had Shield of Tomorrow on Twitch I think right or YouTube. Don't remember which one. Uh, and yeah. then you came out with your your blog, and you had all that great content and all the content contributors adding all that great STA content. And then <laughs> John brought out Majel, and that just exploded with Discord and everything else. And it's just like we we just kind of rode on your coattails because I think I don't know if I don't remember if we had any specific conversation about it at Medifius, but like in my in my head somehow like subconsciously I knew that this fan had this this game had a really great fan base of support that we're going to continue to support it. And I mean, we see that now there's so many folks out there making great content for the game, whether it's character sheets or ship sheets and ship sheets that have specific ship silhouettes on them. Right. Mm -hmm. So you can go get your own customized uh, character or ship sheet. Uh, there's um, awesome, uh, you know, uh, character um, graphic token creators. There's uh, you know, of course, Majel there's, I mean, there's just so much stuff now that, um, you know, in a, in a way, like, like even if we stopped publishing tomorrow, this game would live on for a while. I mean, I don't know when, it, when or if it would die out because Star Trek is Star Trek's evergreen. Um, it's immortal. There, there's also one other contributing factor. I want made John and Jim to talk about it yeah. a little bit. There was one other factor that really made the tech piece of this game take off, and that was in March 2020 when the pandemic hit. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Right. Yeah. I, I didn't realize how how big Major got until I, I got an email from Discord saying, "Hey, you know your bot it's in over a hundred servers. You know you should apply for the for the verified bot uh, uh, icon." Like, wow, fuck, sure, that's awesome, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, and, and and I go ahead, Jim. You want to talk about the pandemic? Oh, no, I, I, I was actually gonna uh, one of one of my questions for tonight was uh, was to ask John if he had any ability to track metrics as to like. How many people have downloaded it? How many people are using it, et cetera, et cetera? Or is it just something that you kind of like send out into the ether and then people use it or don't use it? I don't yeah, have any into that side of things. I currently I, I just send it out and I don't care about the numbers until I get like emails such as from from Discord. Um, I yeah, security and privacy are still a major thing for me, so I want to make sure everything is anonymized for the, for the time being. But yeah. uh, I mean, it's it's not uh, off off the table. Uh, at some point, if I want to do some analytics, but mm -hmm. for right now, 
uh, everybody's everybody's information is private and and it's yeah. anonymized. Oh no 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 doubt on that. I, I I wasn't asking for anything specific. It's just like in general number wise. Like, did you have any sense of how big it was? And it sounds like you got an email saying at least hundred servers are using it. Yeah, but that, that, that was two years ago, right? That was two years yeah. ago, right? Yeah, and that was that was just at the start of the pandemic. So I'm I'm confident it's increased since then. Well, I want to. I was running a statistic today, just talking about like growth between pre-pandemic and post-pandemic. You know yeah. me; I, I love numbers, and I know Modifius can't release certain numbers. But I, after doing an intense search online, I did find out that at least eight thousand three hundred twenty-two humble bundles were sold in a Star Trek Adventures campaign that ran from December 2021 to January 14th, 2022. And to me, that means you had 8,322 maybe new users. I know some people may have bought it just to have the whole electronic collection of PDFs maybe, but to me, that, that seems like a pretty successful campaign. And then <laughs> if, if, if even half of these want to play online and they come over to the Discord server, last time I checked in, um, with the Discord server, I think there was over 2,000 or 2,500 users on the Discord server. And if they're going to be playing Star Trek Adventures online, which I know a lot of people do because I get a lot of questions about it, I'm, I'm guessing they're going to be using Majel because it is the most comprehensive tool. So to me, I think it was the factor that you mentioned before, Jim, about just the people, super fans. And then all of a sudden you end up with this worldwide crisis, like the pandemic driving people away from the tabletops into the virtual tabletop environment. Yeah, and uh, Michael, this is a non sequitur, and uh, I, I can't help it though because I only because I noticed. <laughs> um, I know what you're talking about. That that humble bundle that we did in uh, late 21 that sold like 8,300 copies. But the humble bundle that we did in 2020 um, during the during the heavy part of the pandemic that was uh, that was well over 17,000. Whoa. Um, and uh, so between those two bundles, that was well over 24,000 <laughs> bundles. And I have to think that at least some percentage of that are using or were using Majel on some, on some Discord server somewhere, right? I mean, we, we sold a ridiculous number of wow. those bundles uh, back, you know, I mean, a couple of years ago. And then the, we just ran another one earlier this, week, this year, didn't we? I don't, I, I don't remember seeing the numbers on that one, but I know it's on the Humble Bundle site somewhere. I have to wow. go to the board. So there's, so there's that- a huge, huge number of people that have uh, bought into the game and are are using Majel to some extent. Because uh, like I, I was on a handful of SCA servers and uh, like they all had Majel, all of them. See, John, hence why the server crashed. <laughs> <laughs> all but your fault. Maybe at some point in, in the next like few days, I can probably get the actual numbers. Uh, what I do know is when I was debugging for for the other the other dice bot, which is 2D20, it's like a generic 2D20 dice roller mm-hmm. uh, for like, Fallout or 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 even the Star Trek Adventures, if you if you want the like the, the minimal most like feature set, and it's already three hundred uh, servers using that bot, and that's like a unknown bot. I didn't really advertise that bot anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like I can imagine the the, the STA community uh, major is is yeah. way above that. Yeah. And then we see things like expect another surge because after Fleet Week, there was a lot of attention and energy coming into the server. We I saw, I mean, even my Twitter got more likes because you know you do a pound. So so I, again, I, I have to say, John, what an amazing thing that you were there at the right time to morph a piece of tech that you that Trekkies are able to use. And so Jim, that's why I like picking your brain about it, trying to see as these waves come, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So, John, I do want to. Oh, go ahead, John. Did you have something to add? 
Uh, so I was about to say, like, uh, never un un underestimate the power of a mild mildly inconvenienced developer. Chop <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you in a room, you'll develop new tech. Wow. In inspiration comes from the most interesting places, I tell you. It's, it's just amazing <laughs> what people can do when they're in a, in a certain place and a certain mindset or whatever. And, like, it just, you get, you get magic. And it's just su super, super cool to see. Well, one of the things I like to do is make sure, you know, anybody who comes on the show, we, we let them kind of plug themselves and talk about stuff. I, I, so we're going to repeat it twice. But John, right now, why don't you tell us, I know you have a Patreon. I know I support your Patreon, right? And and I just want people to know that it is out there because John does provide this as a free service. But talk a little bit about your Patreon. Um, it's just there to to keep the, the lights, lights on. Uh, I, I'm not actively promoting it. If you find out about it and you're willing to like throw in a couple bucks, I'm totally okay with that. Like I can definitely support Major for for the rest of like infinity or till right. I die, whatever. Anyone uh, curious? If, oh, go ahead. Yeah, if you want, uh, it's uh, you can do search for Major the Discord bot, and that's my Patreon page. And if you're willing to support her, absolutely appreciate it. Otherwise, you have to. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. I just like to tell people that I think coming in with that attitude is probably what makes people want to support it too. Is that we like the same thing? I mean, if anyone I they ask me sometimes like continuing missions, I make no money off it. I'm just a fan who doesn't want the game to die. So I'm trying to make it as easy and accessible as <laughs> for you know for everyone. Cause I was there when Marvel TSR crashed and I still not over it. So mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So um let's talk a little bit about the future. Um uh, you know, as we move forward, John, you know, um, uh, I'll tell everyone a little story here. So John had played in my game for two years. Um, again, you know, life happens. And so he had to step off of our discord campaign. Um, but we decided that we had such a good time together that, hey, let's get together. In addition, he actually gave me his Borg cube. So I'm going to let everyone just drool for a second. I had not got the Borg cube when it was on. I, I came in late. And so it sold out. And John gave it to me for running the game for two years. And so, I mean, hug to John. Yes, More than sir. that, I said, <laughs> right, right. More than that, I had to take, uh, I said, okay, you're in the Bay Area. And I said, let's meet you. So we met at a whiskey bar in Las Gatas because I know he likes whiskey. Um, and we had a great conversation that day um, over whiskey about the future of where technology might let us take Star Trek adventures. And um, one of the things we talked about is really like using an Oculus or VR technology. So, so what's your dream, John? Like where, where could you, where do you literally, you're in, you're in the tech industry. So in five to 10 years, what do you think are some of the things that are gonna be possible with Star Trek adventures? Just riff off that conversation we had before. Uh, so Oculus and the three, the, 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 uh, the, the VR goggle, that's more like, sort of like a visual representation. Um, but I, I'm really more interested in like um, automating all sort of the, the tedious work of, you know, of playing an RPG, like any RPG, right? Uh, managing the inventory, the, the number crunching, things like that, player sheets. I, I, would, I would at some point like to automate that, put into a tool, website, or control it via the bot. I don't know. Uh, so these are things I've just thrown like, pie in the sky, just, just wildly dreaming about. Um, but I don't have anything concrete um, to, to work on within the next you know, quarter or whatever. But th these are things I like to see, just just more of the, the, the nitty gritty um, stuff you do in a typical RPG and just just automate it, make it really nice, really easy for, for the user to like, interact with and 
so so let's even let's talk even maybe not what you're able or have time to work on, but really from a dream state where technology is moving right now. Do you think in ten years, how I, that's the question? How close will we be to a holodeck? That's really the question, right? <laughs> so. Do you think like in 10 years we'll be in spaces, green rooms, you know, we see them on TV and commercials now where people are in these gallery rooms where maybe they'll be able to walk around, walk through a ship, have that functionality. I mean, do you think that's too soon, 10 years? Too soon without without the gear, right? Correct. But if, if you have, say, like the VR goggles, um, some, some specialized equipment, uh, you can definitely have sort of the, 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 the holodeck experience. Uh, but for the time being, it's, it's still limited, regardless. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One of one of the sort of the research videos I've I've seen um, to sort of replicate, you know, walk walk down a, a street like an infinite street, but then they're not walking an actual straight line. It's, it's sort of curved. But and 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 they're and they're like their 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 goggles and their visual experience. It looks like they're, they're going in a straight line. So there's there's some tricks to fool them uh, to to have these like boundaries extended but we're never going to have like a, like an infinite you know um experience like like the holodeck one could dream jim jim what do you what do you think you see a lot happening out there what do you think the best we can get in 10 years is in your dream state you're on mute jim <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, I, I would be thinking about it from the angle of a of a game, right? Like, like what what kind of technology are we going to get that would make the game experience even better? Whether it's uh, you know virtual uh, um, alternative to Zoom and Google Chat or uh, Discord or like whatever the current platforms are, because um, like uh, I think in, in right, I mean right now, like I think virtual gaming is still is a bigger thing than it's ever been, right? I think the pandemic helped with that. And I would love to see the next 10 years. I would love to see technology get to a point where, where it can overcome a lot of the bandwidth issues and like make it a super smooth experience. Like people can log into the game and have a great, smooth, super easy experience. And, uh, you know, whether the game is combat heavy, like certain RPGs, or if it's more theater of the mind and more um, like narrative and snappy and quick, um, like Star Trek Adventures can be. It doesn't have to be, but it can be. Um, I'd love to see a platform that can like really do that well. And uh, like, I know that, you know, competition is a good thing. And like, we've got multiple different virtual tabletops out there right now, but I would love to see, I would love to see that continue to mature, you know, over the next 10 years. And if it takes like some of the ideas from the holodeck or from uh, VR goggles or something, sure, that's an option. Um, but if I'm thinking about like getting them together with my buddies around a table, virtual table and, and playing Star Trek adventures or some other game, um, What's, what what can developers do to make that a super easy, seamless experience so that I'm not having to struggle with the technology? You know, make it make it a tool that helps me and enables me to make an awesome game experience for my friends and and not, uh, you know, oh, we're lagging, so now we got to wait. Oh, now the video's not working, now we got to deal with this, or our, uh, our, our, our app isn't working and we can't figure out how to make the numbers. <laughs> you know, the math is all screwed up now, what's happened? Uh, so, I, I mean, in the next 10 years, I'm sure I'm confident something's going to happen because, like, you think about where we were 10 years ago when I don't think there were really any or not that many virtual tabletops or it was a whole different, you know, situation, right? And, of course, Star Trek Adventures wasn't around 10 years ago, but um, we were moving in that direction. I think things have accelerated as technology does, and um, I'm just eager to see what happens next, uh, specifically in a gaming you know, stand state of mind. As far as entertainment and technology, man, I don't care. I mean, it's uh, 
it's, uh, it's technology is moving so fast right now. And, uh, you know, you just kind of try to keep up with it. I, I'm confident that my son, like he's seven now, but in 10 years, he's going to be totally on top of whatever technology is out there. And he's just going to blow me away, right? Like, uh, uh, he's going to have some sort of device that I'm not going to know how to use. And that's okay, because that's where I was, you know, when I was 17, like I, I was using technology that my, uh, my mom and dad were completely befuddled by, right? They, they still can't program their, uh, you know, their, their VCR <laughs> clock, so, so to speak, right? But, you know, so right. I, yeah. that may be a, a half-assed answer to your question, Michael, but uh, I was, I, I'm kind of looking at it from the gaming perspective. Like, I, I really want a good, a good tabletop, virtual tabletop thing. And like, I, I've seen good stuff about like the, the glass tables and the virtual tables and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think even that stuff is still a little too advanced for what we really wanted to do in terms of a game experience. Um, but I mean, the potential's there. Like if somebody was willing to sink some, uh, sink some cash into that, they could probably come up with something really cool. And so that you could play like any board game, like virtually around the world. Like, like I, mean, I mean, I know, uh, yeah. uh, what is it? Uh, not Fantasy Grounds, but uh, uh, Tabletop. Tabletop simulator is pretty good, but even that's kind of wireframey choppy. Um, although I do love it for what it for what it can do, but like that technology will continue to improve, I'm sure, because that's just what technology does. Yeah, my dream, especially we had that interview with Thomas Maroney, the associate art director for um, Star Trek Online. My dream is that Star Trek Online, which is a massive multiplayer online RPG, could work with Star Trek Adventures so that you could take your ship out and do those energy action battles you need to do. But then you could zoom into the ship and bring your Star Trek Adventure players into it and play and walk around anywhere you want. And the schematics are detailed. I mean, I would love that I could take my players and say, hey, by the way, let's go over to a ship battle online now and let's join online. You know, wouldn't that be just, to me, I I think that's probably the closest we might be get, able to get into 10 years because we know yeah. there are, um, for instance, Voyager deck plans where you can walk around through the entire <laughs> Voyager, Voyager. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's starting to straddle the line a little bit, right? Where like, you know, you could, each person could be in their house with the, um, with the body suit on, right? With the sensors. <laughs> And so you're you're walking around and your avatar is walking around on screen doing stuff. And uh, I think um, that that's kind of like straddling that line between uh, role playing and uh, LARPing and virtual LARPing and and stuff. And uh, I mean, you know, that may be 20, 30 years away. And, you know, Mm -hmm. knock on wood, Star Trek Adventures will still be around. (laughs) But who knows, right? I mean, by that point, I'll be old and gray, so I'll, I'll need to hand it off to somebody, I'm sure. <laughs> well, they're all right. And they even have the other Star Trek game. Um, I can't remember the name of it right now, but you have the L cars options where you're actually pushing buttons, too. Yeah. So if it's true L cars, then you could be an officer inside this ship, modify your L cars panels, as we know L cars lets you do, so that all the buttons are where you want them to be. And then all of a sudden, when a ship battle happens, we zoom out to the exterior and you're in Star Trek Online doing what you do best there. I mean, I, I, that's where my mind goes. I think in 10 years, that's possible. Yeah. And, but you know, even, even then, Michael, I have to admit that uh, um, as much as I love video games and, uh, and the virtual environments and that kind of stuff, there, there is still uh, a limitation, right? That you can only do as much as the programmers can enable it to do. And, and uh, the power of a tabletop RPG, of course, is that you are limited only by what you and your group can imagine, like, you know, in your head, and then you just describe it to each other. So I, I think uh, I, I worry, well, not I don't really worry. I, I just wonder if, if we get to that level of technology, 
if maybe we'd be losing something about what makes tabletop gaming so cool, where you can do theater of the mind and just like imagine all these things that you can imagine that a that a that a system like a like a holodeck system couldn't do yet because we're yeah. not in the 24th or 25th centuries just yet. No, you're right. It's like the difference I would say between a stage play and a movie. I, I just had the privilege of being in Seattle and watching To Kill a Mockingbird on stage. Amazing, amazing cast and crew there. there. Um, and even though I had seen the movie, mm-hmm. watching the stage play, you pick up so much more. Yeah. And I think that's the difference between RPG and a video game, maybe in the same frame, mm-hmm. right? And, so true. All right. So, John, one of the things we like to do um, in going out is we like to say thank yous and give some gratitude. We like to then you know go around. You can shout out your favorite game shop, hobby shop. You can shout out anyone you want to. I'm going to ask that you go ahead and talk about your Patreon one more time in the humble <laughs> way that you did, that you present it. Um, I'll go ahead and get started. Then we'll have John say his thank yous. And then Jim, as usual, will have you wrap it up. Uh, my, my thank yous today are actually going to go to John today. Um, usually I, I do a comic book shop or, or a brick and mortar store. But again, this, the purpose of co- continuing conversations is actually to talk about the fans. As I've said before, Star Trek is here 55 years later because of the fans. We all know that that is fact, that is canon, <laughs> that fans kept the, kept the show alive and brought it back. And I think likewise uh, with fans like you, John, who who breathe life with new ideas and innovation into the gaming environment, um, you, you're making it so much easier for other people to adopt this game. Um, so I really want to give a strong thank you out to you, uh, John, and uh, keep it up in any way you you want to support us. So go ahead and um, give your grat- moment of gratitude and please shamelessly plug yourself where I will. <laughs> Okay. Well, I want I want to thank uh, GMs and and DMs like you guys for for keeping the the, the games running. Uh, I've done a GM session myself for 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 one for one game, and it's very difficult to plan to plan all all these stories that you want to uh, like to tell to tell the players, and for you to like keep it running for for this long, it's it's amazing to me, and it attracts new players and it attracts like just random players like me to join to join your your campaign and. Be, be part of the, the story and of course to like you know suffer some some of the, the tools and the boss you're using like hey i can fix this i can make it better love it and, yeah and thanks for, for providing the opportunity and a lot of like sort of the uh pains of uh the growing pains of getting major to to where she is and like i like i thank the community for for being patient with the recent uh, changes the recent like uh migration to the new version of discord and Person. If you want to support me, I have a Patreon. Just search for Major, the Discord bot. Any, 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 any amount that you can you can uh, donate will be totally appreciated. You don't have to, you know, but all, 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 every dollar, every penny is is appreciated. You call me and I'll come beta test anytime. Anything you need me to beta test, uh, I owe you for that, John. And and uh, also, you always have, remember, a senior officer position on the USS Pioneer. Anytime you want to come back to the game, you're always welcome to do that, too. I appreciate it. All right. Jim, take us out with your gratitude. And- uh, my, my gratitude is, as always, it's got to go to the fans. I, I, can't, I can't thank the fans enough for all the support that they give to the game, even just appreciating the game. Um, but I mean, especially like folks like John who, who go to the next level of fandom and love for the game and for the, for Star Trek and for the property and all that stuff and create these amazing tools 
just out of the love of it and then make them available to other fans to use and to, and to enjoy. It's, it's just, like I said, I mean, you just can't, you can't, I can't think of enough, right? Because it's just, it's such a great tool and, and it makes the game easier for other people to get into. And that's like totally what any game company would want. Like if we're not doing our job good enough, at least the fans are stepping up to kind of like shore up the deficiencies in our, in our world, you know, uh, not, not that I would ever admit that necessarily, <laughs> although I just did. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just amazing that, uh, that you are willing to put your, your time and passion and effort to this for, for the love of it. Right. Like, I mean, I know I do that for plenty of other things and I've done it in my past too, for other games uh, where I was just a, I was just a, a raging fanboy, and I loved it so much. I just wanted to do more, more stuff and get into it. Um, so just, uh, yeah, thank you so much for, for everything you've done and not, and not just you, but I mean, especially you, because obviously you're the guest tonight, uh, but for everybody else who's been creating apps or widgets or character sheets or sh ship sheets or references, or you're running games on Twitch or you're running games on YouTube and recording them for other people to enjoy, even the game masters out there who have taken it upon themselves to, to run beginner games for new fans. Like they, they happen to see there's a bunch of people on Facebook who are saying like, Oh, I want to join a game. And somebody steps up and says, Oh, you know what? I'll run a beginner game for a couple hours next week, you know, sign in if you can and do it. And uh, it's like, we, we're not asking them to do that. They're just doing that on their own. And uh, I know Michael, we've talked about this before, but I think that's the sign of a healthy game and a healthy fan base where if the fans just take their, that ownership and they go running with it. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, that's just gold right there. And I know I've seen that twice that I can remember specifically not for a, not for a role playing game, but for uh, collectible card games. When Decipher had the Star Trek collectible card game, and they went defunct, the fans picked it up on their own and just created their own cards, created their own alternative rule sets, and kept that game alive. And uh, I'm seeing it again right now with um, uh, Android Netrunner. Uh, that was a great card game that Fantasy Flight um, picked up and produced for a while, and then they they ended it. But the fans picked it up and they created their own internal, like, uh, you know, um, governance committee. And they're creating their own cards and their own decks and they're doing their own conventions and stuff. And it's like, as a game company, you, you just, you can't create that. You can't make that happen. That's the fans doing it. And yeah. uh, so I, I, again, you know, long story short, thank you to the fans. Always, always. Good. All right, everyone. And I'm going to be more sh shameless. Plug his Patreon. Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Patreon. Patreon. I'm pronouncing it wrong. Google yeah. search. <laughs> Module bot. Major bot. We do all our Major the Discord bot. today. Exactly. Major bot. Major, Major bot. Patreon. Major the Discord bot. bot. Maybe I'll do a song <laughs> like Guardians of the Galaxy level Major. song for that. The Discord bot. Okay. Anyways, thank you, everyone. Again, another wonderful episode of continued conversations john good to have you here jim also remember everyone idic keep playing long and prosper be safe be well thank you john thank you michael have a great week Bye.